on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1. Streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is director, producer, editor, writer, Roger Nygaard, and we're talking about his award-winning documentary, The Truth About Marriage. Welcome to the show, Roger. Hi, Jan. Good to talk to you. You too. You too. Oh, this documentary was chock full of so many wonderful tidbits. Uh, I wish it was longer. (laughs) <laughs> maybe you didn't but i was wish, wishing it'd be longer because it was so fascinating you had somebody amazing um psychologist and relationship consultants and all kinds of wonderful people but let me before we even get, dig into this i want to know what made you decide to do a documentary about marriage I get obsessed with the topic. It's usually something that is affecting me or bothering or or destroying my own life. And in this case, it was my own relationships have been such failures. So I wanted to solve the mystery of why. Why is it so hard for me and people in general to have a good relationship or to be married? Yes. <laughs> and the statistics are not very good. What did they say? Uh, one of the, uh, one of the, one of your guests on the show, one of the psychologists said, you know, every married couple going into marriage, um, none of them believe that they're going to get divorced. And yet the statistics would say something entirely different, which is what, over half? I, th- I think it's got to even be more than over half now. Don't you think so? Yeah, 50% is about the, the number. But then for second marriages, it actually goes up to 60%. And third marriages, it's 70% failure rate. Wow. And failure is by ending, right? But is it really right. a failure? I mean, what is a failure? If you if you may manage to hold to get, uh, something together for, let's say, 10 years, that's a 10-year success, in my opinion. Well, I, you know, I, I, I do too. And here's, you know, one of the things that I've always felt, and I think it, someone say, states it in your film, that, you know, people come into our lives, you know, for what I always say, for the lessons we need to learn from them and perhaps whatever lessons they need to learn from us. And sometimes our work is done. Maybe we've learned all that we're supposed to learn from one another and it's time to go on but the idea and this is one of the things that you touched on about monogamy um i you know i did a show oh gosh maybe about two years ago on uh polyamorous relationships and that's become a very big thing and you have a couple that talks about that a little bit you want to get into that a a little bit about the polyamorous relationship that they have sure yeah well i focused on three couples i went to wet their weddings and then checked back years later to see what happened and one of the three couples was this polyamorous couple where they agreed when they got married, they would continue dating other people after they got married. Obviously, that's atypical for the what you'd call a traditional marriage. But I was, what, what's that like? I was, is that going to work? And it, they're still together. They're still very happy. And the reason I discovered that they are in such a high functioning relationship is not because they continue to have sex with other people, which they do occasionally. But in order to have a polyamorous relationship, you have to be completely open with your partner. So there's no surprises. And part of the problem, one of the biggest problems I discovered for people in relationships in general is that we go forward usually with somebody, get married with a lot of assumptions that they're mm-hmm. going to be behave a certain way. And that leads to uh, frustrations 
and anger and disappointment. If you don't know the rules of the game, if you don't know who your partner is fully, there are going to be disappointments. And when you date, we, we wear these masks. You put, I put on my best self when I go on a date, and so does whoever I'm dating. <laughs> and this a mask dates a mask, but you can't hold that mask up forever. It's going to slip someday, and there's going to be a shock or a surprise. I don't know. You get so mad all the time. Why, you know, why are you this way or that way? It's a big surprise. Part of this solution, though, is is understanding who you are and accepting yourself and then doing the same for your partner. It's really the only path to happiness is acceptance. I Well, in another lifetime of mine, I actually was a what I called a relationship communication consultant. And I used to do workshops. And one was how to find the love of your life. And then the other one was the seven secrets of sacred sex, which I did start to write a book about years ago. But what I realized is I had all of these ideas about what I thought an ideal relationship should and would be. And then I realized I wasn't having that relationship. It wasn't in my life. So I thought, what makes me be an expert and think that this is the way a relationship should be if I'm not living that? So I stopped. I just said, you know what? I don't want to be considered a fraud on this. And I kind of went in another direction, which is what I'm, which is what I'm doing now. But it was interesting because the bottom line is no matter what, you have to love yourself first. And if you don't yeah, that's love hard. yourself, you, then you can't be in a relationship. I mean, that's what I used to teach even back in the day. Um, was that because you can't expect someone else to make you happy. And I think that's why people go into relationships because they're missing something within themselves that the other person is supposed is supposed to fulfill, perhaps. And yes. If, and, and so when they're not feeling that, you know, then we all get, you know, get upset because, well, wait a minute. I thought that's what you were in my life for because you're so supposed to fulfill this need I have, whatever it may be, and uh, multiple needs. And now you're not doing your job. And I think that's why people get angry and upset and start, you know, but the person doesn't know that that's what their reason <laughs> for being there is because we don't communicate. And that's why right. I called myself a relationship communication consultant because my background is communication and that's the most important bottom line. So that's why the poly polyamorous relationships that you're, you, you interview this couple is exactly, you know, you said it's the honesty, it's the truth, it's being open. It's because when you, there's when people cheat because it's kind of exciting, I think, you know, oh, surreptitious, we're doing something that's not we're not supposed to be doing. And I think there's something about that, that people like that. Um, well, they're trying to get back to what they did when they were first dating, that initial burst of dopamine when you, in an early part of a relationship, which naturally fades over time. Uh, uh, Dr. John Gottman put it this way. He said relationships naturally deteriorate over time unless you put conscious effort into it. We expect that a relationship is going to maintain itself, but it doesn't. And so you have to work on it. You have to put your effort into it. And it turns out there are little things that we can do. When I was making The Truth About Marriage, my goal was to collect a bunch of easy to implement relationship hacks that I could do and anyone can do to change the trajectory of any relationship. Because nobody teaches a, I mean, there's no class in high school to teach you how to have a better relationship. You'd think the one, the thing that's the most important thing you'll ever do in your life, which is have a relationship, there would be a class, but there is nothing. <laughs> so we're all <laughs> floundering around. I agree with your, your movie definitely is a, is a master class. And I could see that there could be, as I said, I wish it was longer. You can probably do a part two, uh, go into. Well, I put all that in the book, part, all the, all the other, inf I wrote a, a companion book and put all the information I couldn't fit in the film into the book as well. Okay. And the, and the book is the truth about marriage. So people, Yes, yeah, same name. 
and they can get that where? Where can they purchase that? Oh, uh, thetruthaboutmarriage.com. We'll have links. You can find the video or the book on Amazon and all your usual places. So w- when when you did this film, what was the one thing that really was surprising to you that you learned from writing the book and putting together this documentary? How unprepared we all are, and it's it's not fair. We're <laughs> 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 Why is it so hard? Why does it have to be so hard? Obviously, it's not natural the way we're no. asked to behave. And the reason is because our desires and needs that society tells us that we should have, are it's out of sync with what's natural for who we are as a, as a person and as a species. The way we evolved on the African savanna is much different than the way our culture now asks us to behave. And that's because culture evolves much more quickly than we do as a species. And so it's very frustrating. Everyone's frustrated. And that's why there are relationship experts and helpers and people out there. One of the best tips I got from everybody, they all agreed, your best chance for a happy, successful relationship with longevity, if you're thinking about getting married, you're just getting started, you're you're considering it, your best chance is to have premarital counseling. They found that religious couples do better than non-religious couples in, in longevity and happiness. And it's not because of the religion per se. It's because they're forced to have counseling before they get started, before they get married. And it's just about knowing what are the rules? What are your expectations? What do you want from me? What do we want from each other? What are our priorities? I mean, you, you should talk about how how warm do you want the bedroom? How light or dark? Is it okay to leave the TV on all night when you're sleeping? Where would you like to live? How many children do you want to have? What do you do when you're angry? What what? Uh, how important is it to stay physically fit? All these things, if you discuss them in advance, even if you don't agree, at least you know what the rules are and what you're getting into. Great questions. Great questions. You're exactly right. I think uh, premarital counseling would, would be ideal, but I don't think anybody does that. I mean, no, very, very, few. Other, it, very I mean, I don't, I, Does the Catholic Church still do that? I, maybe they do. I mean, I know that yes. they used to. If you want to get married in a church, you usually have to follow the rules, which in part of it is usually counseling. And so at the back of the book, I made an appendix with a uh, prior, personal priorities checklist that partners should fill out separately and then get together and discuss it with the goal of making a mutual priorities checklist going for going forward. What 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 a divorce attorney faces all the time is a financial checklist, a financial disclosure statement, and you should do that as well. But you all, you should also you should go beyond that and talk about your needs, so each person knows what the other wants. Because you've got to ask for what you want. People aren't mind readers. You've got to ask. You've got to tell your partner what it is you need. Exactly, exactly, and and come from it from a need, not not attacking the other person, saying you didn't do this or you didn't do that, but expressing when when this happened, this is how I felt, or this is what I need from you in this kind of situation if it comes up again or whatever it may be. That you know they say the two biggest things that cause divorce or sex and uh, and money. Um, so you want to get into a little bit about yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> those really are the big topics. And, I, you know, again, people don't talk about that because, you know, in the beginning of the relationship, they it was funny with all the couples that you interviewed, you know, in the beginning, everybody's having a lot of sex and having a great time. And, and it was funny how many times in the beginning in the relationship were you having sex? And then over the years, how often do you have it? Uh, it drops and, off. Everyone knows. Right. Yes, Passion right. diminishes. Everyone agrees. I ask people, how many times is natural to have sex per week? And the married couples are generally once, twice, maybe three times maximum. Then I ask them, well, how many times did you have sex when you were first dating? And it was two, three, four, five times a day. 
<laughs> so clearly there's a drop off and it's because we're designed that way. We're designed for passion to change into compassion for child rearing. It's natural to drop off. Does it have to be that way? And in the book, I have a whole chapter on what there's this group of specialized counselors who you call it passion enthusiasts, passion experts, passion igniters, because there is a way to rekindle sexual passion in couples that have been together a long time. And in short, the reason one of the reasons it happens is that the longer two people are to get are together, the more alike they become, the more similar. And passion comes from polarity. And so the counselors help people to go back to their polarity, to rekindle their polarity, their masculine, feminine polarity. And part of the problem is that everyone goes to work and the w- work environment is a masculine environment. Everyone is behaving, behaving with a masculine energy. So when you get home, feminine partner has to learn how to switch back to the feminine and in their interaction. And then the spark will naturally rekindle. There are ways to do that. In these seminars, they can get couples back to being passionate within an hour or two hours by teaching them how to realign their energies. Everyone, what works best is a masculine with a feminine. Two masculines together or two feminines together doesn't work as well. Whether you're gay, straight, or everything in between, the best combination is when you complete each other, not duplicate each other. Very fascinating. Very fascinating. So in in you have a couple, I, I, I thought this was kind of interesting. You had the, a couple where um, the former wife lives with them. Right. <laughs> so it's a married Not typical, couple. but it, yeah, yeah, not it typical. happens. I co-parenting. Mean, you know, They're co-parenting. co-parenting. But um, interesting that she actually lived there. And I thought it was interesting with the new wife uh, was talking about sex and how important it was in the relationship. And the other wife is just sort of sitting there and, and almost looked like she was like, really? I mean, it was a, she was like kind of incredulous. It felt like... Or or just the way she was looking was like, wow, a little different. You know? So how, what was that like? And how did you feel about the first wife in that interview? Well, something I discovered is called co-parenting. There are a lot of people out there that raising the children is a priority over the other aspects of the relationship. And in this particular instance, the first wife, he, they have children together. And then when they got divorced and he married and had a second wife or new wife, they all agreed that raising the children was of primary importance. And the first wife no longer has a sexual connection or bond with her ex-husband, but they have this bond with the children and it works for them. Part of it, I think, is and even with when people are living in a polyamorous situation, it's a it's a desire to return to the tribal community, which is where we where we originated. That's what's natural for human beings. Uh, 200,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago, that's how we lived. We lived in small tribes where everybody shared everything. And that's natural. But now we live in a much different universe of seven, eight billion people. And so monogamy is now the rule of the land. And there's a reason that evolved. And it's 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 the best solution for where we are now. But it's difficult. It's not easy. And that's why we have to work at it. It's not easy. And we do have to work on it. And I'm not sure that everybody is willing to do the work. I think that's part of the problem. I mean, people kind of go, I think it's, we live in this disposable society, you know, and we have, and we can just, if we don't like something, we can throw it away. And I think marriage. Too many choices, right? Yeah. It's kind of the same way, especially with the advent of all the, you know, dating apps and everything else that everybody can uh, participate in nowadays uh, and look and see what they're missing, uh, what they used 
used to have and what they used to enjoy. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Jam Price Show, all about movies. And today, my guest is director, producer, editor, writer, Roger Nygaard. And we're talking about his award-winning documentary, The Truth About Marriage. Um, Also, I loved, I loved, loved, loved Dr. Pat Allen. I thought she was hysterical. And I love that segment. (laughs) And you can, I'll let you tell the story. of why men are on earth, basically. <laughs> yeah, she's great at pointing out, uh, like, and I asked in the film, who's who's the boss in most relationships, the man or the woman? And there was unanimous agreement <laughs> that it's the woman. And yes. that, that this is wild. It's supposed to be a man's world, isn't it? Well, apparently it isn't. <laughs> and they, they all had different ways of explaining why or how that is. One of the couples, he said that um, I get to make the final decision, but I don't say anything. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> what was the one about? Uh, what was it about pro- progressing? Like he, he does the work and she progresses, or oh what, right, what I do the work. Yeah, it's, we work. There's a couple, and they said we are a work in progress. progress I do yeah. the work, and she makes the progress. <laughs> That was wonderful, too. (laughs) Partly that comes from the difference in the male and the female brain. They're designed for different things. The male brain has a harder time with emotions. There's about 15 to 20 minutes of uh, an ability to talk about emotions before what Dr. Gottman calls flooding happens. The brain gets flooded. It's just the capacity is lower. Whereas a female brain can talk about emotions almost infinitely. They're better wired for it. They're they're more able. They have, let's face it, they're superior in that regard. And so when you're interacting with your partner, one of the things that the experts taught was how to do conflict better, keeping in mind the differences. The best way to deal with conflict, and what is conflict? Let's say there's a disagreement about how messy the the garage should be or the kitchen. Honey, I'd like to talk to you about the garage. Well, that's that's the beginning of an argument if there's a disagreement. How do you best approach that? By an appointment. Dr. Pat Allen talks about that. Argument by appointment. Honey, I'd like to talk to you about the garage. When is a good time? Hopefully later today. Well, I can't today. Okay. How about tomorrow morning at 10 a.m.? Okay, fine. Now you've got an appointment. You write it down on a piece of paper. and that, that makes it real. Where instead of just, oh, I forgot you said that yesterday. It's a real appointment. And the male brain is much better with having time to adjust to what's coming. Ambush discussions do not go as well. So you want a better outcome. Now you have an appointment and it's time limited. Each person will get to talk for 15 minutes uninterrupted about, honey, it really, I feel anxious when the garage is so messy as opposed to, and you put your finger on this, Jan, you should replace the word you with the word I. Instead of saying you are a slob, you should say, I feel anxious when it's such a mess. See, then you make it your problem and then your partner should be more, well, I, I, I don't want you feeling anxious. How can I help? I want to help you to feel better. And the best way to end every argument is, okay, thank you for expressing yourself. What can I do to help you feel better? Beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. Because it's, I don't know if you, it just was said in, in the documentary or in your book, but, you know, men are, want a woman to be pleased, right? That's like, you know, it's like you're higher achievers. And, and if that's your job, your job is to make the woman feel good and want her to be happy. Is that what you, did you find that out during? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, if you look at it on the micro level, the sperm chases the egg. The mm. sperm is plentiful. There's a hundred million of them per event and one egg. So what's more valuable? 
The egg is far more valuable. It's only available once per month. So who's the keeper of the egg? Whoever it is, they are the center of the rekindling of the species. So the man or the male or the sperm pursues this more valuable item or entity. And you could call it providership. The male is, is the provider. That's the traditional role. And there's a reason for that. It's because the woman gets pregnant. She has the plumbing and the ability and she has to carry that baby to term. And it's a very, uh, it's a risky endeavor to become pregnant and it could lead to, uh, to death. So she's got to be choosy and careful about who it is she allows to to uh, create this life with her. And that translates to the from the micro level to the macro level. The egg puts up barriers and the woman puts up barriers to see who is the most sincere of her suitors. And that way, she knows she's got someone who's serious about getting together and raising children. And when you look at the marriage contract, it's designed for primarily for the sharing of property. That's all it is, really. It's a contract for how you're going to share your property. And the reason it's that way is it's designed to be a way to for two people to agree we're going to share resources, the raising of children. That's the primary purpose of marriage. Not everybody gets has children, of course, but that's what the contract is designed for. Very, very, very uh, fascinating. I, I, one of the things I was wishing that you had done, and maybe it's in the book, um, is older couples who have, later in life that have found each other. Did you... Did you do any studies about that, the people who have already had their families and the children are grown and, you know, now they're maybe in their 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, even finding, looking, still looking for someone to share their life with. Uh, did you come across any of those people and how it's different? Because, again, you're not looking. Obviously, you're not going to be. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's it's different, but it's not very much different because that your need continues throughout your life to feel like you are being chosen and you're choosing someone above all others as someone special. We all want to feel that way. And it never ends. It never goes away. Right. So you'll always want to feel and be with someone who makes you their priority. That's natural. And it's always part of who we are. That's true. That's very true. Well, since so many people are sheltering uh, in place and staying at home, um, they're saying there's a lot of uh, marriages that are struggling with this because they're not used to being with their partner 24-7 and the kids included um, and working from home and all of the things. So it's very stressful for many people that are out there right now. Um, And I wondered if you had, and one of the things that came up in, in, in your documentary, and I'm sure it's in the book too, is about people who they need distance. They like to have, they, they, you know, it's important to have distance from one another because of what's going on in our world right now. They're not able to have distance. Do you have any advice for any of the people that are right now struggling with being with their partners 24 seven? Yeah. I mean, I specifically asked my experts recently what they all advised in this weird new situation we find ourselves in where we're kind of forced to be together much more than we're used to and they gave me several suggestions and one was the first one of the biggest ones was to ban criticism during this period that's the number one thing that can lead to relationship disaster the next one was to delay all your big decisions because it's an unusual time now is not the time to try to fix a relationship don't make decisions about your relationship during a crisis because your judgment is going to be impaired you can look back afterwards with more perspective and 
And it's better to make the decisions later when you get back to some sort of new normalcy. And then, as you mentioned, we're all used to disconnecting far more. And now we're at home all the time. And here's one of the biggest things I learned in general, which really applies, especially now. And the feminine desires contact and connection 24-7. It's natural. The masculine also needs and desires connection. But once the masculine person or he, usually the he, but not always, but once he has that connection, he desires freedom. And he goes through a natural orbit, as natural as the moon going around the earth, from connection to freedom. And if you try to get in the way of that, it causes frustration and then argument and anger. Roger, I wish we could go on further. Of oh, Great advice. And I, oh, we could talk more about this topic. People can see your movie just about everywhere. It's uh, um, Is it on video on demand and iTunes and all over? Amazon. Right? Amazon. Wherever you might, yeah, wherever you get your uh, streaming on Amazon now. So wherever you get your video and the book is also on Kindle or paperback at Amazon. Roger, what a joy. What a pleasure to have you on the show. I look forward to having you come back uh, soon. Have a great day and enjoy. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And if you want to look up the links, thetruthaboutmarriage.com. Great. Thank you. Like The Jam Price Show on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Jam Price Show. And if you like the show, tell a friend about the show. And also, you can subscribe to this podcast on the iHeart Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. 